Now programming for Toronto's Irish community on AM 1430 Fairchild Radio.
Yes, you're very welcome to Keologus Crack on a Saturday morning. It's Ken here, Mike's side, and my old partner, Mr. O'Brien, is away on the left coast out there somewhere in California playing a bit of golf. So uh, hopefully he's enjoying some nice weather out there. Well, we kicked the show off there with a bit of music from um, Brian Finnegan from Armagh and a track called Steps from his um, latest album there. Uh, the rousing genius of bones. He's a flute and tin whistle player. And I'm delighted to kick off the show this morning with Kevin Monaghan from Sets Mad. And uh, Kevin is going to be in town next weekend with Carl Monaghan to uh, have the big Cayley weekend. Kevin, you're very welcome to Keologus Crack Radio. Thank you. Good morning. How are things over there? You're calling from Galway, are you? I am, yeah. I live in the UK, but I'm, I'm back home and all the rest of the weekend. This weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice afternoon over here in the west of Ireland. Brilliant. That's always good to hear. And uh, you're looking forward to the big weekend here in Toronto next week? We are indeed, yeah. We, we'll get over there Thursday and then we're um, at it on, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We've got uh, three Cayleys, uh, Friday night, Saturday night and uh, Cayley Sunday afternoon. And then we're going to be doing workshops on... Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and, and Sunday morning. So busy schedule. Very busy indeed. Yeah. When do you get into town, Kevin? Uh, we get in Thursday, Thursday mm-hmm. mid afternoon. Great stuff. You were oh, a big hit. You were a big hit last year, so they had to have you back. Um, well, we had a lot of fun anyway. That was for sure. Brilliant stuff. Uh, how does Canada rate on the on the global scale? Because you, of course, yourself and and Carol, you, you're teaching dancing all around the place, all over Europe and. And of course, the United States and Canada. How do we how do we rank in terms of the old Cayley weekends? <laughs> uh, well, it's certainly one of the friendliest ones you'll come to, but they're they're all very friendly, actually. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, all of the all of the weekends have their own character, and and you guys are lucky enough to have local musicians there as well. Um, so that brings a lovely flavour to it. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, a nice bunch of people. You get a lot of people from travelling in, actually, to, to Toronto as well as the locals. So it, it makes for a nice weekend. Oh, that's brilliant. Good stuff. And I actually, you'll be delighted to hear, I saw some photographs this morning there of the, they have a new dance floor and everything set up for the for the weekend next week. Excellent. That'll Excellent. Be, that'll be great. Yeah, we'll hopefully have a few a few dances for them, some old ones and some new ones. Um, and we'll be doing a lot of the regular ones as well. Uh, ones that most of the guys will know already and then we'll test them out with a couple of new ones brilliant brilliant and you had you had a lot of fun to the uh, to your Kayleys and your your teachings ah yeah well it's it's um, it is it's a social thing Um, we try to make it easy we try to make it accessible for people Um, and you're supposed to relax and have fun of course you can't be too serious about it absolutely not What's your uh, what's your favorite kind of music to dance to? Is there a particular <laughs> a particular bands um, or uh, a particular kind of uh, Cayley music that you love? Well, I'm I'm from from uh, the west of Ireland, so I have a, a particular fondness for for the music of Connacht, and um, but I also love the music of the southwest from Cork and Kerry, um, which is a completely different style. Up here, we like we like our uh, reels and and our jigs and polkas are not played too fast. And then you head down south, and it's uh, it's wild, um, but it's lovely music. 
absolutely loving music. And, and uh, the good thing is, when we dance around the world, we get to experience all of those different styles. So sometimes back at home in Ireland, you kind of stick to your local stuff. Um, and that is that is the the richness you get actually when you dance certainly around Europe and and with you guys do a bit of everything so um get to experience the different styles of dance and the different styles of music that's good that's brilliant and from what I understand you give you give your your audience a little bit of a a flavor of the different uh, sets that you you get into maybe give us a, an idea of what's going to happen next weekend if you can yeah so we're, we will be teaching um, some sets that are very old sets. So the, the, the origin of these sets is they were danced in local villages um, and people's homes. And some of the old ones were lovely, simple um, sets um, that you could dance. So we'll be, we'll be doing one of those and we're also going to be doing a, a very new one um, that's just composed last year by one of the... I suppose one of the best-known teachers on, on the scene, Pat Murphy, um, his his uh, new set will be doing that one. Um, and we'll we'll do sets from different parts of the country as well um, so that people get that different style. So some, some of the reels and some of the focus. Excellent. Slides. Excellent, Kevin. That's yeah. great. In case you're joining us late, I am chatting with Kevin Monaghan from Sets Mad, and uh, he's coming to town next weekend for the big Cayley weekend. And here you're calling in from Galway, Kevin. What's the uh, what's the thing you like to focus on when you're when you're teaching? I like to give people a, a feel for the origin of the dance, the the, the story behind it, um, and the style in that region and how it relates to the music. Um, so I like to give them a little bit of the sort of the provenance, really, um, giving some context, and then relaxing. Enjoy the dancing. Have a bit of crack. Good stuff. And uh, you, you have your own big weekends over there in in the UK as well, don't you? During the uh, during the year, you have a, a big annual event. Yeah, we do. We do two now. Actually, we do one in the spring, um, which we had in, in March, and we do one in September. And we bring bands in from Ireland, and, and then we bring teachers in as well um, from Ireland. Um, and we've been doing that now for well, this year is number thirteen. Amazing. Um, That's great. So yeah, we've been in that for a while. So it's good, good fun. And we get we we get a lot of dancers from um from all over Europe actually flying in, which is which is kind of a, a big thing if you're li- living in the UK and people choose to come to the UK to do uh, Irish dancing as opposed to going to Ireland. So, right. So yeah, that's good. Well done, well done. Well, we look forward to having you in town next weekend. That's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Royal Canadian Legion. I'll give uh, folks a little bit more information on that. And if uh, people want to find out a wee bit more about yourself and Carol, where can they go to get some information to get them all excited about um, next weekend? Probably on, on the event page or on Facebook at uh, Set My Dancing or we have a we do have a little bit of a website as well at um, setsmad.net. Setsmad.net. Um, Very good. But the best way to do that is to come along and see us. Uh, of course, absolutely. I'm sure it'll be jammed in there next weekend. Yeah. And uh, folks Hopefully. will be out there learning some new stop, uh, new steps. Exactly. Kevin, thanks a million for calling in today. We really appreciate That's it. That's great. And we're, 
we're looking forward to it and we'll hopefully bring some good weather with us as well. We've had good weather over here and I think you might need some of it over there. We need it. We definitely do. We've got a lot of Irish rain over here, so uh, we need the good stuff. Very good. Thanks a million, Kev. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks. Man. All the Thanks. best. Sloan. my story if there's a young one looking for a man take the bus from Barna down to Lishton Barna catch me if you can my name is Dan here I'm your man and I'm off to Lishton Barna at the end of the year I'm off for the bitter crack the women and the beer I'm off for shifting for a man of fifteen Catch me if you can, my name is Dan, sure I'm your man I'm awful shifty for a man of fifteen Catch me if you can, my name is Dan, sure I'm your man The Quinn family invite you to visit downtown Toronto's oasis of Irish hospitality at the Irish Embassy, 49 Young Street at Wellington, and P.J. O'Brien's at 39 Colborne, just behind the King Edward Hotel. The Irish Embassy, a landmark of classic architecture, is your downtown destination for drinks, snacks, lunch, or dinner. Call 416-866-8282. And just around the corner, enjoy the local pub atmosphere of PJ O'Brien's, serving the best in pub fare and also your downtown venue for an intimate evening dinner. PJ's has live music every Friday and Saturday night. Call PJ's at 416-815-7562. All right, and don't forget you can get all your GAA fix down there at the Irish Embassy. Get in there, Joe Reynolds will take care of you. Well, we're off to the West Coast, actually, to get the news from Ireland this week. Desmond Boy is out there in beautiful British Columbia. Good morning, Desmond. Good morning there, Ken. Great to be talking with you. And good morning, folks, from uh, beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Desmond DeVoy here with the West Coast edition of the News from Ireland. The news is brought to you by our good friends at Aer Lingus. Here are the top stories that are making headlines in Ireland. Our top story this morning. 
He reached as high as any man could go, literally, but very shortly after achieving a lifetime dream of climbing Mount Everest, an Irish teacher has gone missing. Now, his family back in Bray, County Wicklow, is hoping to raise 75,000 euros to recover 39-year-old Seamus Lawless. The Trinity College Dublin professor fell while descending the mountain after reaching the top of the world's tallest mountain on Thursday morning. He was not far, he was not only marking his upcoming 40th birthday, but was also raising money for the Barrettstown Children's Charity. He is married with one child. His whereabouts are unknown, and his GPS tracker was found 500 metres away from where he was believed to have fallen. The family claims that his insurance company is not stepping up, and so they are taking the step of raising money to hire Sherpas to look for him. In other news this morning, an American preacher with extreme anti-gay and anti-Semitic views has won the dubious distinction of becoming the first person ever banned from Ireland on 20-year-old exclusion powers. The Irish Times reports that Pastor Stephen L. Anderson, a Baptist pastor from Arizona, was due to speak to a congregation in Dublin on May 26. Anderson claims to be a Christian, which is at odds with his public pronouncements, that he prayed for the death of former U.S. President Barack Obama, and he praised a gunman who killed 49 people at a gay nightclub in Florida in 2016, as well as the repugnancy that is Holocaust denial. An online petition calling for him to be banned from Ireland has been signed by more than 14,000 people. Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan signed the exclusion orders last Sunday under the 1999 Immigration Act, which allows for exclusion orders, quote, in the interest of national security or public policy. He also has a UK exclusion order and is banned from most other European Union countries as well as South Africa. Well, a change of pace now from Anderson to young people who want to make the world better and encourage us to think deeply about the world we live in and want to live in. Mount Sackville Secondary School student Lauren Doyle, 16, was the overall winner of the Irish Young Philosopher Awards this week at University College Dublin. The Irish Times reports that she was able to use a theory by Aristotle for her project, Why is Nature Beautiful and Why Do We Destroy It? About 350 finalists took part in the event, which was attended by President Michael D. Higgins. As young people like Anya Frawley and Adelie Larkin, both 10-year-old girls from West Dublin, debated the meaning of life, others debated life after death, and whether we need evil to progress, Higgins said that there has become, quote, a narrow and utilitarian view of education, quote, one that suggests we exist, exist to be made useful. He felt that this would lead to a loss of ability to critically evaluate, question, and challenge. In planning news this morning, plans for a mosque and an Islamic cultural center in Kilkenny City have been rejected by Onboard Pliana. The proposal by the Kilkenny Islamic Trust was approved by Kilkenny County Council last year, but afterwards, 40 complaints were lodged against the plan, which would see a mosque built along with two-story community building, two-bedroom guest apartments, two-story four-bedroom semi-detached houses for the imam, classrooms, a cafe, and a halal meat shop, according to the Irish Examiner. The Islamic community had hoped to build at the Hebron Industrial Estate on the edge of town. The board has said that the proposed development scale and location were contrary to the Hebron Road design strategy. The O'Loughlin Gales GAA Club, located close by, objected because there are already traffic congestion problems at certain times in the area. Well, in our local News Matters segment, we head east to the province of Leinster, where we start with a daring sea escape. The Wicklow People reports that three fishermen were rescued after their trawler burst into flames 30 miles east of Arklow on the Irish Sea. One of the crew of the Suzanne 2 was rushed to hospital for smoke inhalation. 
A happier story now on dry land in Wicklow, where Haley Doyle, age six, donated ten and a half inches of her hair to the Little Princess Trust. The Wicklow People reports that the charity provides real hair wigs free of charge to children who have lost their own hair due to cancer treatment. She was inspired to act by her grandfather, Jimmy Duffy, who died of cancer in February. Another young person who has captured attention is transition year student Ajibola Oyede, who, according to the Dundalk Democrat, won the hearts of Irish Rail staff at Cork Station during his recent work placement. The autistic student, who moved to Ireland from Nigeria at the age of two, has had a deep love of railways since, the er- since a very early age, beginning with a train trip to Longford. During his placement, he took up ticket sales and customer service announcements. He loves Gaelic, and he hopes to take up a tourism and travel course after school and maybe return to working on the railway. Meanwhile, the Wexford People reports that calls are being made to reopen the mothballed pathology department at Wexford General Hospital following complaints about cramped and poor conditions at the mortuary at University Hospital Waterford, with bodies left decaying on trolleys. Meanwhile, the Kildare Nationalist notes that the county's Catholics marks the 1,500th anniversary of the death of the, the county's patron, St. Saint, Conlet, Saint who died in 519 A.D., after he was killed by a pack of wolves in the forest while on his way to Rome. A high mass was said by Bishop Dennis Nolte at St. Conlis Parish Church in Newbridge, where he read out a special message from Pope Francis before 700 worshippers. The next day, about 80 walkers revived an old tradition of walking a pilgrimage to Old Connell on the banks of the River Liffey, where Connellet is said to have lived in seclusion. And there you go, folks. That was the news from Ireland for this week. The news was brought to you by our friends at Aer Lingus. Traveling to Ireland and Europe has never been easier with Aer Lingus's year-round direct service from Toronto to Dublin, with connections available from more than 10 Canadian cities to Dublin. Smart flies, Aer Lingus. Why not check them out online at www.airlingus.com. That's www.airlingus.com. Now you're up to date. Now it's back all the way across the country to Ken Tracy to in Toronto with Keolagus Crack. So until next week, folks. West I will go. These bricks and mortar don't carry me no water, no, no rest. Have I my feet will carry my body down. Turning in at 6 a.m., I done worn out the night again. Guessing I might need a friend to wake me in the morning. The radio reports a final showdown of the forces in the but I guess it might be West I will go These bricks and mortar Don't carry me no more No, no rest Have Where I my feet will carry my body down Walking down the keys With Annalise She's as pretty as can be Smart and sharp And she was awful Kind of me this summer I left her by the moon and stars For banjo strings Guitars, and I don't want to break her heart, but I'm gonna west. I will go. These bricks and mortar don't carry me no water, no, no rest. And my feet will carry my body down.
tears and toil and sighing that I was once one in whose veins ran lightning. Oh, praise break from my lips when I'm dying. West, I will go. There's a band I've been listening to over the last little while called Old Hannah, and that's a track called West off their Iron and Wood EP from around 2015. And they have a, a new release out right now called Varelis, and they are from Schlegel, no doubt. Uh, great, uh, great sound, so you can check them out. Old Hannah is what they're called. Very good. All right. Well, we have a birthday request, and I know this lady will be in on the weekend next week at the Open Cayley. Carolyn McAnulty celebrated her birthday yesterday. 21 again, Carolyn, I'm sure. Well, we hope you like this track. I know it's one of your favourite bands out there. Um, a great night when they came to Toronto um, last year. Here is We Banjo 3 in Haven. Lay down your weapons and lay down with me We will stare at the stars and think what life could be Highlander memories, we'll leave them where they lie Could we make a choice for love and joy? The moon lights a path can travel down River runs wild with what has gone before Cast aside for new and more and more and more and more and more and more Let me be your haven
Well, we hope you enjoyed that, Carolyn, and enjoyed the uh, the long weekend that we have. And that, of course, was uh, from all your friends there at the Open Door Cayley. When you think of Irish tradition, what comes to mind? Live music, great hospitality, and a pub atmosphere of laughter and song imported from the Emerald Isle itself. And one of Ireland's greatest imports is the Keane family, serving up the finest fare and crack this side of County Galway since 1991 at the Galway Arms. The family-owned pub has been charming patrons since, well, last century, and as a result attracts some of the GTA's greatest Irish characters. Known far and wide for its chef-designed menu and traditional Irish music, it's also Toronto's home of Gaelic games live from Ireland on the big screens. You can like them on Facebook and you're sure to like them in person. Visit thegalwayarms.ca to view daily specials. The Galway Arms, your home away from home and not too far from home at 838 the Queensway in Etobicoke. Call 416-251-0096. Make a date and make it for the Galway Arms.
There you go. Atelli Patterson there with uh, Let Him Go. Well, I'm very pleased to have on the phone calling in from Belfast this morning Director Sean Murray of Unquiet Graves, which is uh, coming to town very soon. You're very welcome to the programme, Sean. How's things? Great, Ken. How are you? Thanks very much for taking the time to give us a ring this morning here. Uh, the town is looking forward to seeing this North American premiere of Unquiet Graves coming up on um, in the end of May here, 29th and 30th at the Royal Cinema. Sean, this is a this is a, a, a big one. Um, what got you uh, started on this uh, on this journey with this film? Well, I've always been interested in in documenting uh, an overarching story on on collusion, on British collusion uh, during the conflict in the north. And I think the, the Glen Arne series for me was always the, the, the biggest one, you know. And it wasn't until I'd read Arne Cadwallader's book, Lethal Allies, that I had not only realised the scale of killings, but had realised the, uh, the the scale of, of, of involvement with security forces, uh, policemen and British Army members in the killing of, of innocent civilians. I'm, uh, I'm assuming, you know, um, the reaction has been... Has been great on on this on this film that you've brought to audiences here. It's obviously a, a really emotive subject. Um, maybe give us a, an idea of what you've been getting, the feedback you've been getting as you've premiered this uh, around Ireland and and other countries. Well, the feedback has, has, has been immense actually, and, and uh, quite surprising. Uh, the, the feedback within the unionist community uh, back home has been has been quite tempered. I expected uh, a major backlash to the film. The yes. film is very controversial in that sense, but it has been well received even in uh, within sorry, uh, unionist circles. And when I say unionist circles, I mean uh, broad, broad, broadcast media and uh, major newspapers. They have been quite reserved in in, in their uh, in their, their critique of the film. It, it's quite a difficult film to unpack. I think artistically. Uh, it's difficult to unpick, but it's also it's based on 20 year, years of research, and the, the truth is very hard to unpick within the film. Also, and makes it very difficult. Yeah, it's certainly a, a difficult subject. I uh, haven't seen it yet, but uh, any of the trailers um, really look uh, compelling. How what was it like getting access to the to the people that you interviewed throughout your film? Well, access for me wasn't as, as difficult as, as as might have been if I was as coming at this, um, you know, freshly from 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 my own point of view. But when you're working with uh, the likes of human rights groups who already have access to victims and survivors, it's easier. Uh, but also, I think it's much easier when you're you're not coming from a journalistic point of view. I think most of these uh, political documentaries uh, and post-conflict documentaries in Ireland are made by journalists. And I think coming at it from a filmmaking background, and also uh, where I'm from, West Belfast, has also been uh, also a central point for, for the conflict during, during uh, you know during the troubles. And I, 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 we've been well known within within some of these circles. And of course, I've had my own family members killed before, extended members killed during during the conflict. So there's a much easier rapport being built with victims and survivors when you know that that you're that type of filmmaker, you know. Right, right. Yeah, that that would make sense for sure. You were saying there's 20 years of of uh, data, if you will, and and research gone into this. How long did the project take for yourself to put this film together? Well, I always say that I'm a latecomer. I, I've come in that it, it took us four years to make the documentary, 
but of course that's built on 16 years of research before that, roughly. You know. uh, it is a long time to be, to be taking four years to make a documentary, but we needed to get it right. And also we were very constrained financially. So there's things that I wanted to do, which I could have took, taken shortcuts and had the film finished maybe in two years. But we, we waited out and uh, I got the right collaboration, the right people on board, the right artists. And after the four years, I think we've, we've done a good job and, and, and trying to, to tell the story of, of the Glenarm Gang. Right. And and maybe for our audience that might not be familiar with the Glenarm Gang, maybe give a, a little bit of background as to uh, what they were up to. Well, the, the Glenarm Gang comprised membership of uh, British Army members and also RUC members. Uh, police policemen in the north of Ireland during the conflict. So they would have had joint membership of these uh, institutions along with loyalist uh, paramilitaries. They also volunteered for which was in the UDF. Uh, and, and they were involved in, in the collusion of over 120 civilians' killings between 1972 and 1978. And these, in some instances, were policemen who were on duty at the time while, while uh, being involved in bomb attacks and gun attacks on bars and, and, and innocent farmhouses and, and publicans, etc. So it was just it was a campaign of terror against the, the Catholic community. And I think their raison d'etre was, was, was trying to remove support within these rural areas for the IRA. But of course, violence begets violence, and that's not the way things work. Uh, this actively drove, in many cases, people into the arms of the IRA. When you have people that are, that are there to, to protect you, uh, government figures that are there to protect you as, as in the police and as in the army. And these people are the very people that are killing you. I mean, in some cases, there's, there's no alternative, you know. It's, it's unbelievable. Is there is there any information, Sean, in terms of how high this uh, this went within governments? Well, it's very it's, it's very difficult to, to pinpoint individuals, but we, de- we know that British military intelligence were, were running these types of gangs. And, of course, we have a, a, a number of whistleblowers. One uh, that, that speaks in the film, I flew to South Africa to interview a man called John Weir, an ex-policeman, who was involved in, uh, in, in a number of incidents and, and actually went to jail for, for uh, killing uh, a Catholic man called William Strathairn. And he had told me quite candidly that uh, it was British military intelligence that were under these operations. Their reasons for that were... They were attempting to, to drive the situation over the edge. They wanted an all-out conventional war against the IRA, and they were willing to go to extreme measures to do that. And in the dramatic arc within the film, we show that what they wanted to do was get the Glen Arm Gang, uh, these paramilitary, right-wing paramilitary loyalists, to attack a Catholic primary school and kill the children in the school. Uh, so that would, would create such, you know, such something so bad that it would tip mm-hmm. things into a civil war. My goodness, that's uh, that's incredible altogether. So you say this fella, John Weir, was arrested. Have there been other convictions or arrests, uh, you know, through through the history here, on along with this? Yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were some there were a number of men, and John Weir was was jailed with another police officer called Billy McCaughey, who's now dead. But there were other RUC men, RUC men that were jailed for for minor uh, incidents. Uh, there was an attack on a bar uh, called the Rock Bar. And this attack was carried out by all all members of the the RUC, the police force. And when they were they were caught for another instance and jailed, uh, uh, the judge had them in court for the the Rock Bar attack. He gave them a suspended sentence, 
saying that they were only trying to rid the land of pestilence after they tried to wipe out a number of people in a bar. So it's, inclusion is just not about people actively being involved with government bodies and trying to murder civilians. It runs right to the institutions. Here we have a judge saying that these, these killers were, were under stress and, and, and that they were trying to rid the land of pestilence. It was institutional. It's not just about individual members. Right, yeah, it runs through, uh, runs through the whole system. That's, a, that's, that's a correct, problem. yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, are you coming to town yourself for the Premier? Yes, I will be in Toronto for the 29th and 30th screening. And of course, I'll be involved in a Q&A afterwards, which is a question and answer. So I'm looking forward to, to getting the reaction from, from uh, those audience members. I mean, I'm just back from Australia, where we had an Australian tour of the film. And the, the, the questions and answers are very, very receptive. It's, uh, it's, it's great. You know, we have a, la- a large Irish diaspora in Canada as well as Australia and America, and it's always good to to get people's reactions to the film, you know. Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. And uh, I think I read there that uh, you use uh, Seamus Heaney, a poem by him and actor Stephen Ray. Is that right, in terms of his voice? Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, actor Stephen Ray is the narrator of the documentary, so he speaks throughout. Right. But it's the it's the poem that, that he recites, the Seamus Heaney poem, the Stand Lock Bag. It, it, it gets people, it's, it's quite an emotional poem as it is, but we have animated the poem in the film. And it's, it's very, very abstract and it's very, very personal to people. And it's it's, it's very, very emotive. So it, it's uh, it's something that, that, that I would always take out of the film. It's something that is very unconventional. It's not really used in documentaries. And uh, in regards to the feedback of the film, it's something that, 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 that does touch people. You know, it's 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 it's, it's something that, that, that I've heard a lot of feedback uh, over, you know. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. And you know, when you hear that, you know, read about this film, and and I'm sure with your audiences, and and you haven't gone through the entire process, and you start to look at other troubled countries in the world, it starts to make you think, you know, who's behind some exactly. of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm, that's correct. Yeah. Is that is that some some feedback that you get in general from your audiences, or? Yeah, well, I, I, I situate my work uh, within the field of transitional justice. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just finishing the PhD at Queen's University, actually, with his own political documentary. And I also look at international examples in Chile, for example, and Indonesia uh, and, and Cambodia. So it's not just about film making. Uh, I look at film being used as a cathartic process of victims for victims uh, in regards to state violence. So there's a general, uh, there's a wider uh, picture of this, you know, Right. And uh, I, I always do look at internationally. And of course, I hope that my own work can, can be used in, in, in other uh, instances around the world, you know. That would be great, uh, Sean. It's, uh, it's mighty work that you've, that you've done here. And the, 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 you know, you talk about this, the judge saying that, you know, these people were under duress and trying to, to rid the place. But, I mean, the, the families that have been destroyed over, over all of these killings uh, and, and dealing with... Those families must have been tough, or do they feel that you know finally they're they're getting a voice here through your film? Well, yes, on on, on the most they do, of course. It's you see, there's two samples of justice for victims and survivors here uh, in the north of Ireland. It'll be through the criminal justice system, or what film can do for these families at the moment. And the criminal justice system is so constrained. The British government are hiding documents. Documents are going missing. They won't release the truth. So what film can do, it's unconstrained. It can give the story to the victims. 
and they can uh, speak about their loved ones without any constraints. And I think it's twofold. Addressing the power of these victims, but it's also about rebalancing the new historical planning of the country. You know, so it's about becoming our own memory. We've always been vilified in the communities that we have come from. Broadcast media always held the hegemonic narrative, the British narrative, but now our narrative is unconstrained, and we are we are redressing that narrative. And this this is a it's a saddle healing for for, for our own communities here uh, back in Ireland. You know, right, right. That's a fair point. Sean, uh, we could talk to you all day on, on this and we really appreciate you giving us a ring in here from, from Belfast. We look forward to having you in this city and uh, the North American premiere of Unquiet Graves. Thank you for your work on this and uh, thanks a million for, for calling in to chat to us today. Thanks very much. Thank you, night. All the best, Sean. Take care. Down all the years, down all the days And I've cried for all your troubles Smile, it's your funny little way We watched our friends grow up together As they fell Some of them fell into heaven Some of them fell into hell I took shelter from a shower And I stepped into your arms
Now arriving in Canada, Guinness Hop House 13, all the way from the Open Gate Brewery at St. James Gate in Dublin. Double hopped for a more flavourful lager, from the first sip to the crisp finish. Earning its name from the original Hop House 13 at St. James Gate. Available at select pubs and now arriving across Canada in 500ml cans. Guinness Hop House 13. More hops, more taste, more character. Aye, more character indeed. All right, here we go with the calendar of events. And we had on Kevin Monaghan a little bit earlier for the big open door Cayley's annual set dance and weekend, which is the 24th to the 26th of May next weekend at the Royal Canadian Legion, Todd Morden branch up there at 1083 Pape Avenue in Toronto. And it is TTC accessible. And as I mentioned earlier, they have the brand new floor in there for the dancing. So that'll be good. And there's even a wee bar so uh, if you're not into the dancing, you can come along and enjoy the crack there and uh, sip on a cold beverage. And, of course, yeah, as I mentioned, it is all next weekend. It's Kevin and Carol Monaghan from Sets Mad. They'll be coming into town, teaching you all the dancing tricks that you'd want to know. And it's Friday. There's a big uh, welcome, Kaylee, 8 p.m. till 11.30. And then on Saturday, the 25th of May, there's a morning workshop from 10 till noon and an afternoon workshop from 2 till 4, and then the Saturday Cayley from 8 till 11. And on Sunday, the 26th, there's a workshop from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., and a farewell Cayley from 2 till 5. You can contact Geraldine at 416-573-1205 or Mary at 905-330-7972. Check them out on Facebook, and their website is opendoorcayleystoronto.com. Get out there and enjoy the crack with Kevin and Carl next weekend. The Ireland-Canada Chamber of Commerce in Toronto would like you to join them on the 28th of May. There's the um, Ireland-Canada Business Summit and it's taking place down there at Gowling's office at First Canadian Place, 100 King Street there in Suite 1600. You can go to the Ireland-Canada Chamber of Commerce website to get ticket information. It is from 8.30am till 12.30 in the afternoon. Coming up on Saturday, the 1st of June at the Woodbine Racetrack, the annual Ireland Funds Day at the Races. That's always a mighty day out. Uh, the event will be held this year in the Post Parade Room and you can enjoy a magnificent track view there and the big buffet lunch and mix and mingle with owners and trainers and participate in the live and silent auction. And you can even put in your bid on co-hosting the programme here with myself and Mark 
and uh, enjoy a bit of crack. All the proceeds from this go to Celtic Studies Programme at St. Michael's College at the University of Toronto. Check out their website uh, for ticket information. And a big night at the Galway Arms coming up on the 15th of June. That's a Saturday. The Cork Association's annual pub night. There'll be fun, food, music, dance, and, of course, importantly, the open mic will be there. Hugo will be your MC for the evening, and it all starts at 8 o'clock. There's admission of $10, and that will go towards the annual participation in the Toronto St. Patrick's Day Parade. You can email John Cawley. His email address is john.g.cawley47 at gmail.com. Or his phone number is 647-285-0866. And if you have an event coming up, send me an email, ken at saturdayirishradio.com. And for all of the events, you can check out our website, saturdayirishradio.com. And, of course, all the podcasts are up there from previous shows as well. Well, there you go. The hour has flown by. And um, before we went into the calendar there, I just played A Rainy Night in Soho by The Pogues. And um, that is one of the ten songs that was selected as Ireland's favourite folk song on RTE. You can check that list out at rte.ie slash culture. They're, uh, they're down to the last a few of that. I'll give you a list here of them. Danny Boy, A Rainy Night in Soho, The Town I Love So Well, The Rocky Road to Dublin, Wild Rover, On Raglan Road, The Green Fields of France, The Foggy Dew, Oroche de Bahá'u'lláh, and we will go out here with Shabelle, who we had on the programme here live uh, a couple of months ago with the parting glass. And that's it, folks, for another week. I'm off to Ireland. I'll be doing the programme from the Mammy's Kitchen with a wee cup of tea next week. And I hope to uh, chat to you then. All the best, Sloan. Of all the money that ever I had, I spent
Programming for Toronto's Irish community can be heard every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on AM 1430 CHKT Fairchild Radio. This is AM 1430 CHKT Fairchild Radio, Toronto. The following are programs for